What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined on the phone today by Dustin DePyrick. Dustin put together the Pirates Top 30 for us in the handbook uh, as he has, uh, this is his second year doing it. Uh, Dustin, Pirates are an interesting uh, team and, and they have an interesting system. Um, obviously they had a little bit of a sell-off prior to last season, trading Garrett Cole, trading Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, they were surprisingly competitive still, uh, went for it with a trade for Chris Archer. Uh, it was not enough to put them over the hump into the postseason. But you look at this team, and there's still a lot of Major League talent. And you look at the system, and while it's not the craziest system in the world in terms of depth or you know, multiple future All-Stars, there's some good players here, you know, both who will help them this year, uh, the year after, and, and really the year after. There's a couple waves of talent. Uh, when you kind of look at the Pirates' big picture, just the Major League team, the farm system, how do you kind of assess the, the state of the franchise? Yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting question just because, um, I mean, you mentioned, you know, going after it with Archer. I think uh, it, that was such a, you know, that was a move that seemed to go against everything Neil Huntington has done before. I mean, because really, uh, as long as he's been there, I mean, they've really protected prospects, uh, you know, just so closely and, and, and young guys so closely if they had control over them. Uh, they kind of guarded that with their life. So the fact that they made moves that really dug into uh, their organizational depth, their young talent, uh, was, was more than a little bit surprising. And it, it wasn't even just the Archer trade. It was also going and getting uh, Keon Keela from, uh, from Texas, you know, get, giving up uh, Tyler, Taylor Hearn, who was doing some impressive work uh, at Altoona and really starting to come along and seem like he was actually going to be a starter when a lot of people presumed that he was going to end up going to the bullpen. Um, they, they are still interesting, and there is, like you said, there is, I, I think a lot of people were surprised that they hung in there uh, as well as they did this year after they got rid of McCutcheon, after they got rid of Cole. Um, you know, pitching has shown up better. Some guys like Trevor Williams, I think, have been better than a lot of people expected. You know, the Corey Dickerson ad ended up, uh, you know, really paying off, especially early on in the season. I think they ended up just better than a lot of people realize. And, and you know, again, they, they obviously invested a lot in amateur talent. 
Uh, you know, in previous seasons building up to this, you know, they still got Marte, they still, you know, Gregory Polanco made a little bit of a leap, got back kind of on the trajectory they were hoping for there. Um, so they ended up being just okay. I mean, I think, and the thing about it is, though, is I think the entire collection is sort of just okay. I, mean, I think you look at, like, like you said, there is, there are several guys that you believe can help them, uh, you know, coming in into the system, but you don't necessarily look at somebody and say, okay, that's a, you know, sort of generational player. You know, that that, that is somebody that's going to be a, a franchise level talent. Uh, in this system right now. I mean, there's certain guys that might be able to evolve in that that are sort of younger at the lower levels uh, of the organization. But, you know, and, and certainly maybe an O'Neill Cruz, maybe you could see making an evolution, but you don't know uh, necessarily where he's going to be. He's still very much a wild card. And some of the other guys that are kind of the higher levels of the system, you kind of look at it and say, okay, that, that, that guy can help you, but there's kind of a ceiling on him. I think even, you know, Keller, uh, who we rated number one, I think looks like a number two or number three starter more than he looks like a certified ace. Uh, you know, Cabrian Hayes is a guy that looks really good, but I, mean, I think you know you don't necessarily see that as being a 30 home run type of hitter. You could see him being terrific defensively and maybe hitting up to 20 home runs, being the kind of you know producing in the same way that his dad did, Charlie Hayes. Uh, so you you see a lot of pieces of guys that can add and, and and that they can be okay for a long time, but you don't necessarily see this future of man like that guy is going to light the world on fire. You know, uh, you know basically in the system. So um, you know they're interesting and they're they're. I mean, I would say they're doing better than treading water, uh, and and you don't look at that and say, okay, man, they're they're about to really you know bottom out here, um, but you also don't necessarily see you know a, a future where man they're really gonna uh, be challenge be challenging for the division title either. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that division is getting stronger and stronger. We saw the rise of the Brewers last year. The Cubs are always dangerous, and they still have that really good core of players. They've made the postseason four straight years. The Cardinals in their quote-unquote chaos year where their manager got fired, their bullpen imploded, and they were scrambling for players. Uh, they still won 88 games and then just went out and acquired Paul Goldschmidt. So, you know, if you are the Pirates and, and you're the Pirates fans right now, what is the hope for this team to realistically be contending for the postseason in the next, you know, one year, two year, three years? And a lot can change in three years, but, but I think as we stand now, there's not really an easy path here, to say the least. No, there's really not. I mean, you, you just have to hope that sort of everybody that you have in that organization kind of maxes out. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's, there, are, there is some growth potential for some guys, and there's, there's players that have shown the ability to do a lot that maybe, you know, I mean, like they still ended up, around, you know, over 500, and, you know, Josh Bell took a, took a backward step. You know, and I think that's certainly somebody they look at and say, you know, that's kind of a future of the franchise player. And you sort of believe, okay, like if you get everything you can get out of Josh Bell, you know, you're getting a whole lot more production in the middle of the order. You know, uh, you know, Gregory Polanco, there's more to get out of that. Starling Marche, there's more to get out of that. You know, there's a couple other players that you could see stepping up uh, and, and getting, giving them a little more production than they had. And you get it sort of piece by piece. Uh, around that lineup and you're a little bit better. And then, you know, the pitching staff, I think you can look and say, okay, well, you can get maybe a little bit more out of James Tyon. He certainly, you know, finished better than he started. You could definitely get uh, more, you know, if, if you get more of a, of what you got in September out of Chris Archer, Archer than when you got in August, you know, maybe, you know, that, you know, stabilizes that rotation a little bit more. You certainly saw a lot of leap from Trevor Williams, uh, who doesn't necessarily have um, pitches that blow you away, but finds a way of getting out, giving you productive innings. Uh, and getting through, like there's, there is a good enough staff, and you know, certainly the bullpen looks better. Uh, you know, with that addition, with you know, with Vasquez still being there, like they've got pieces that if they all come together and operate at their highest level, then you know they're competitive. But it's 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 hard to see even that group maxing out and getting to 100 wins. And you know, 
Milwaukee and Chicago are certainly capable of it. You know, and again, with St. Louis reloading like they had to go get a Goldschmidt, you know, you're having a hard time finishing above any of those uh, of those teams. I mean, even even if you're giving them all the benefit of the doubts, you might be looking at 90 wins. You know, even if everything goes right, uh, you know, you, you could see that with that group. And then, but in a year, I don't know what. Again, if you get Keller in a year, that makes your rotation stronger. You're a little bit more solid, and, you, and, and I think you know maybe their biggest strength is you. They will feel like you know, if they get Keller and, and these guys keep performing, the rest of the guys keep performing as they have, keep getting things they're getting out of Musgrove, then you feel like you can win any day of the five. Like you don't feel like you're you're throwing a guy out there that's going to get beat up, but you also don't have a, a, an, an ace there either. There's not somebody that you know is going to go, you know. Uh, Post in the RA around two two or something like that, and, and when you're twenty, uh, he's you know there, there's not a, a, a guy that's just a, a lights out you know surefire win in that group necessarily either. So there's not a Garrett Cole. Know, <laughs> there's no there, there's not a Garrett. Yeah, there, there's not a Houston level Garrett Cole. I mean, he wasn't even that uh, for Pittsburgh in the last couple of years. Right. You in know? 2014, yeah, he and, was, but he'd fallen off a little bit, and obviously that precipitated the trade. And, I kind of wanted to to follow up on that a little bit. I think there is a sense that maybe some of the Pirates' moves, at least from the outside looking in, panic move isn't the right word, but but a little bit curious. You know, trading Garrett Cole for, you know, even though he'd been struggling, he you still saw the the talent there, and maybe trading him for a package that no one saw is particularly overwhelming. Then the other side mm-hmm. of it, last year, you know, trading Austin Meadows and and Tyler Glasnow for Chris Archer. You know, Archer has some name recognition, but if you look at the trend, you know, he'd really been on the decline from 2015 to 2016. In 2016-2017, the ERA kept getting worse every year, climbing a little higher above four. You know, at the time, he's in Tampa, it's 4-3-1. You know, all of a sudden, while there's name recognition there, the truth is this is was a below-average Major League pitcher last year and had been trending that way for the better part of three years. And you give up Austin Meadows, who as soon as he got into the race system looked great, and Tyler Glass now, who as soon as he got in there as well. We know older pitchers sometimes take a little bit longer. Uh, the walks went down, the strikeouts also went down a little bit, but better, you know, fewer hits, uh, you know, lower walks, and everything just looked a lot better. Uh, was there a sense that the Pirates maybe, I don't know, overcorrected or you know panic trade a little bit one way with the Cole deal and then really tried to overcorrect with the Archer deal because from the outside looking in there were quite a few front office officials who painted it that way yeah I mean that that's sort of my read to a certain extent and I would don't know if it's panic I think you also what you got to factor into there and I think what actually had a lot to do with it is the fan fan reaction and just the way that the, the fans have viewed uh, the Pirates as an organization. I mean, they, they had a, you know, a downtrend when it came to the tenants. And I think getting rid of Cole and McCutcheon um, was the last straw for some people uh, in the fan base. And I think uh, they, they just continually view this organization as not taking chances, as not going big, as not spending money. Um, and, you know, basically, you know, getting rid of those uh, of, of two, you know, franchise name players you know, made a lot of people feel like they were giving up. And, and, and in, in retrospect, uh, those weren't even as, um, I mean, those were more justifiable and they would at least go along with the, you know, the way they've general, generally handled the organization, but like their, their general plan. I mean, I think they looked at, certainly looked like it was time to get rid of McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't think they looked bad for that necessarily. I mean, they didn't get a huge return out of him, um, you know, but he opens up the, uh, opens things up for them to, to get Dickerson and move him in there. I mean, they were, they probably had a better outfield. Uh, that was the right move, as much as it was painful. Right, exactly. 
But I think it also, from a, you know, how do fans view the organization perspective, hurt because it's a franchise player. It's somebody that they, that fans had come to, you know, it, it really is, is the most recognizable face of the organization guy they've had uh, since at least Barry Bonds, you know, maybe further back because they, they certainly soured on Bonds as a personality uh, towards the end of, of his career in Pittsburgh. Uh, but, you know, as somebody that was at that level that he felt like, you know, again, was was an elite player, at least for, you know, his peak in Pittsburgh. Uh, and they felt like they were getting rid of somebody who would hit that height. And that felt like giving up, you know, that that felt like, OK, we're going back to, you know, the battle days of the period in between 1992 and, and really 2011, 2012, 2013, when they really start winning again. It felt like, OK, I, I think there was a feeling around Pittsburgh that, that this was you know, it, it going down and, and Cole the same way. They still had at least a couple of years worth of control over him. And this is a guy that was number one overall pick, uh, you know, that, that showed you flashes uh, and they trade him away for spare parts. Now, a couple of those guys end up being all right. You know, certainly, you know, I think Musgrove, I think has been, um, has been solid, has been steady and has, has been a solid starter. And you, you got a couple of guys that filled some roles, you know, Colin Moran uh, showed some level of potential. I don't think he gave you everything that they, they hoped they were going to get out of him, but you know, he was a number one pick as well. You know, Jason Martins hit, you know, hit pretty well in AA and didn't do as well as AAA, but, but gave you something. And, and you know, Michael Feliz even, even gave you something out of the bullpen. So you get four parts out of him. Uh, so there was some way of at least justifying the return um, when you really kind of felt like he wasn't necessarily giving you uh, – he, he wasn't necessarily performing like an ace either. He goes to Houston, and then he does. Uh, um, so I, I think they – the, the narrative was such that it had become so um, prevalent in Pittsburgh that these guys don't really take chances. These guys don't really try. They're not interested in winning. They're interested in, in spending little and therefore profiting. Um, and I think that became such a pre- prevalent narrative, and they, and they, again, just weren't getting a lot of uh, attention for a pretty decent team. And the O'Hanathan backed himself into a corner a little bit by saying that, you know, we're really going to judge this um, – make our judgments basically based on what we're going to do at, at the deadline uh, based on what happens this next couple of weeks. And I think they like ran the table one ten in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they kind of put themselves in a position where they had to buy in a deadline. They, they'd more or less promised to the fan base they were going to buy at the deadline uh, and buy big. And, and it just seemed to me like Neil Huntington almost asked himself, what would I usually do in this situation? And then he did the opposite. <laughs> yep. uh, you know, I mean, the, the Tampa Bay trade is the most anti-Neil Huntington trade that has ever happened. Uh, like that he's ever, I mean, it was such a big risk and it was, again, putting guys that he'd really protected with his life for so long that he hadn't even considered talking about and giving them away. I mean, I, I think, you know, Meadows was a big deal, but like for him to get, get rid of Shane Baz as the player to be named later in that trade. It, again, it's a lot for a guy who is a below average league starter. I mean, that's just the truth right. of it. And, and that's where I think it seemed like there was the overcorrection because you're right. Look, Cole and McCutcheon, they, they did make sense. Cole had been fourth in Cy Young voting in 2014, but had been kind of trending downward a little bit. You mentioned McCutcheon was was getting to that point where it didn't make sense for them anymore. But it just seemed like, you know, and I understand adding at the deadline, but it did seem like they gave up a lot. You know, Keen Aquila is a, a really good reliever, but, you know, Taylor Hearn, a potential power left-handed starter, again, it just everything seemed a little... A little heavy on the price they paid for what they got back even though archer and keeler are fine players the total sum of what they gave up it, it again overcorrection was was the general phrase and term that got thrown around a lot both by officials within the game and then just those of us kind of taking a step back and, and watching it unfold yeah no like i said I, I could totally see that it, it definitely looks that way of again not panic but but pushing that way i mean i i do think you know one justification for archer like you said I mean, he's been a below average pitcher but you know, 
changing leagues, getting out of the AL East, you know, uh, is, is something that can help your cause. And, and I think he has a better chance of anybody else they had at missing bats. You know, it, it was a guy that had, had high strikeout potential, sort of more than the other guys they already had on, on the rotation, you know. But obviously he didn't perform particularly well in August. I, mean, I, I think there, he, he has a, they have a chance of getting a, a bigger return out of him. But, you know, again, Meadow, Meadows is a huge move. I mean, that, that is a guy, I mean, he certainly – he, he faded a little bit, but man, he he got on the scene in April and May, and he was he was launching the ball. You know, I mean, he they, they were it was really hard to get him out for a period, and then again, like he went through this, the standard, um, you know, regression. I mean, you have when guys when they first break in, when people start to figure you out, um, and you know, obviously his numbers dips a little bit, but I mean, he's, he if he doesn't have all star potential, he has close to it, and that's a big give up. You know, I, I think what's going to be look bad for the Pirates in, in long term is. I mean, I do think Glasnow had to get get out of Pittsburgh. I think you're going to see him get better out of Pittsburgh. You know, I, I think it was just a situation where he just he was in a weird place mentally. Um, and and he, I think, he even said when he was interviewed afterwards that you know Pittsburgh did everything they could to correct me, but you know it's almost like he had he had to get out. You know, you need that fresh start sometimes. Yeah, I think Glasnow absolutely did. Just the way he's built mentally, uh, he needed that. But I think also, you know, Houston is using Cole different. Houston is asking something different of Cole, and they're they're you know obviously breaking the ball heavy as an organization. And they're letting him use that thing, and I think he he had better stuff and better options with that. You know, Pirates had been such a two-seamer ground ball organization for such a long time, uh, not such a long time, but at least the last couple of years, and they really built so much on, you know, on shifts and getting guys to hit ground balls. And we're trying to do that with everybody. Get down, we're playing, get two seamers, and you know, Garrett Cole's got more than that. You know, there's there's more than that in the tank for him, and I don't think they never necessarily. Uh, experiment with what all he had and, and how to make the most out of that the way Houston, I think, is doing. So I think the, the, the potentially damaging thing is if Glassnell and Cole both end up being better elsewhere uh, you know, that, than they were in Pittsburgh, I think that's, that, that is going to look worse on them, I think, in the long term. If, if both of those guys end up being, you know, uh, if Cole continues to be what, he's been, what he was in Houston last year and Glassnell ends up being you know, a, a top three starter in Tampa or someplace else, it's going to go back and bad for Pittsburgh in the long term. No question about it. Uh, moving forward, you know, with that long term, you know, you hit on it with Mitch Keller a little bit. There was a time when you could find people who thought that he was in that tier of the very, you know, top pitching prospects in, of baseball with a Michael Kopech or an Alex Reyes, you know, easy fastball up to 97, 98. He's, we saw 99 in the Futures game last year, big hammer curveball. Um, there was definitely a sense, you know, speaking with evaluators last year, I both the ones I spoke with and, and some of the ones you spoke with, that the Jets have cooled a little bit. Still a really good pitcher, the type of, of pitching prospect most other organizations would love to have in their system, but seen as more of kind of a, a number three mid-rotation guy than a, you know, again, a potential front-of-the-rotation guy. Um, just in the course of your discussions with, with evaluators, mostly out-of-house, what were some of the... the thoughts and findings you, you uncovered in terms of why maybe the Jets have cooled a little bit on Mitch Keller? I think, I mean, for one thing, he, he obviously he didn't have, he was not dominant in AAA, you know, I mean, and he had some rough moments uh, in AA last year. I mean, he, he, you know, he pretty much cruised, you know, for, you know, up until that point. I mean, he didn't have a lot of bad starts. I and mean, you look back at, uh, you know, his basically, you know, how many runs he gave up, or whatever. I mean, he, he did not get beat up a whole heck of a lot. And, you know, control has been, you know, terrific throughout his career. But, you know, he gets up into the higher levels, and he, he found himself getting beat, beat up a little bit. I mean, he had some mechanics issues. He was getting sort of flat on the backside. 
I think that was sort of an issue is, is he was, you know, throwing some flat fastballs that were get, getting hit pretty hard. You know, and, and he's only like, I mean, you mentioned the fastball, the, the, you know, easy velocity he's got and the big hammer curveball, but they, he hasn't necessarily developed much else. And the changeup is okay. You know, it's not going to be uh, a big-time strikeout pitch necessarily. It's probably going to be, I mean, it, it's probably going to be a good ground ball pitch. It's probably going to work on the fastball, but there's not a, there's not a huge speed def, def, differential in there. So it's it's not a big time number three pitch. So he's really looking at being you know kind of a two pitch pitcher uh, at this point. And you know uh, velocity is really really good, but I mean it's you know uh, how dominant is he going to be? You know, and like I mean strikeouts are good. They're not off the charts. You know, and and again he was missing in enough spots and getting hit enough last year that you're like okay, I mean you know this isn't a guy that's going to be over the top dominant. Uh, you know, again that's going to be a surefire one. Obviously he's going to give you a lot of going to give you a lot of innings. He's not going to walk a lot of people. He's going to strike out enough. He's going to miss enough bats that you're going to feel confident with him being high up in your rotation, but you don't necessarily look at him as this guy who's going to change your franchise like Box Nebler. You know, I, I think that's sort of the, the general gist I got in terms of uh, in terms of those guys, in terms of what they're seeing. Um, and, you know, the, the numbers obviously bear it out. Again, you, just, you, you never saw, um, you know, the big hit totals, the big run totals from him like you saw last year. But when we, again, when they start starting to see a higher quality hitter, uh, you know, he's having a hard time getting them out. Yeah, one of the things that came up in my discussion with evaluators, and again, I want to couch this by saying he's a really good pitching prospect. Like, sure. a lot of teams would love him. He's a surefire top 50 prospect in baseball. So I don't want to, this to seem like, you know, he's all of a sudden, you know, way, way down there. He, he's still really, really good. Um, but you talk a little bit about, you know, having that big fastball. One of the things that came out in my discussions with evaluators was, a general sense that there's just not a lot of confidence or desire to use those breaking pitches and as you know when you start facing you know upper level hitters you've got to change eye levels you got to keep them off balance you know just having a 97 you know mile an hour fastball you can ramp up to isn't enough and even the the curveball it's a very good pitch but it's more of a guys drive it straight into the ground than necessarily you know swing and miss pitch at least that's, that's been my looks at it but again, kind of a hey, I'm just going to try and throw it by guys. When in you know that ability to you know land that curveball when and where he needs, land that changeup when and where he needs, change eye levels, a lot of the little things that make the difference against you know those higher level hitters. They're, they're still a work in progress, and there was not an overwhelming sense of confidence that, like you mentioned, that the changeup will ever really be that great pitch or that everything mm -hmm. will really be what it needs to be for that number one starter. At the same time, he's a only, you know, he's 22, really good kid, really good arm. You're going to bet on the talent, but but it was interesting seeing the, the conversation shift more to a probably a, a solid number three than a potential from the rotation guy. Um, hit on Cabrian Hayes a little bit, one of the risers in the system, but the biggest riser was O'Neill Cruz, uh, former Dodgers prospect they acquired in the trade for Tony Watson two years ago now. He really popped up. I mean, he went from a, a you know tall, lanky kid who you could dream on a little bit to, you know, all of a sudden I, I'll never forget. I, one scout just so you know, what do you got on O'Neill Cruz? Quote: I love O'Neill Cruz. I mean, this was someone that people were raving about in the system. Uh, I got you know saying I have similar upside and probably maybe even a little more than Mitch Keller. Obviously, position player versus pitcher. Um, but O'Neill Cruz really, really put himself on the map last year at low A. Um, what can Pirates fans expect for this guy? And what's the odds it actually all comes together? That's such a, I mean, it's such a good question. I, I, I almost, I'm, I'm afraid to even begin to answer it because it's so, 
it, it's so hard to tell because like there there is so much to dream on and, and what changed this year you know why everybody uh, you know why he goes from just a guy that all right maybe it'll be there maybe it won't is I mean he actually got an approach <laughs> basically and that that's I mean I, Larry Broadway even said that uh, when I talked to him you know for one of the stories earlier. Uh, uh, organization reports early in the year. The difference was he had no approach. He was just getting there and gripping and ripping. And this year he actually kind of knew what pitches to look for, got an idea of, of what he was trying to do, uh, got an idea of just what he was trying to do in the box. And all of a sudden, when he has that, he, he can just launch the thing. You know, I mean, like he could just hit the – there is just so much raw power uh, within the guy. I mean, he's long-levered. He's skinny still. Um, but uh, just got a lot of thunder in the back and has a lot of speed, and has a lot of arm strength, which is basically everything, I mean, just fast twitch, as fast twitch as you can, you know, imagine. It just, you know, all, all the pieces are there, and there's, there's, there's a lot of length that he's starting to put it together. Um, you know, the, the, the issue right now, and the, the biggest sort of problem he's got is the routine play at shortstop. You know, he can go make the spectacular play because he can move, and he's got really good range. He's got big, long legs, get left and right. You know, the issue he has was when the ball is sort of hit within him, you know, we only have to shift a couple, you know, uh, slide a couple steps one, one way or the other way. He has a hard time sort of breaking down uh, and making the simple play. There's, there's just so much arms and legs that he's got to coordinate that it's all on, honestly sort of harder for him uh, when it's the easy play than it is the hard play. But, um, you know, he's still, I'm mean, obviously the strikeout, uh, not the strikeout rate is still pretty high, um, but it's not, it's not nearly what it was a year ago. I mean, he cut down on him, you know, cut down, you know, struck out 100 times this year. It was 132 last year. Uh, you know, walks went up significantly. You know, he's, he's showing real, uh, again, a, a real actual approach at the box. I mean, there's, you know, his average numbers jumped and, and OBP numbers jumped by like 50 points. You know, all of that is getting lots and lots better just in terms of his ability to know what he wants to do in the box and be able to actually, uh, you know, use that power, um, you know, across the board. I mean, he had, what's, what's he got, 25 doubles, seven triples, 14 home runs this year. I mean, he was... He was, you know, much more consistent, much more steady. Obviously, this was his second year uh, in low A, so he got the ability to, you know, see that level of pitching and get a clue with it. And certainly, there's going to be uh, a transition as he, goes, as he goes up to high A ball and then into double A. He's going to see a different level of pitching. He's got to have to change and adapt. So, you know, how long is that going to take until he's actually a major league player? What is each of those rises up? You know, how is he going to make each each of those transitions? You know, it's really hard to tell at this point because he just hasn't had the same sort of, you know, trajectory, but he's such a young guy, you know, I mean, he's not going to turn, you know, doesn't turn 21 until October, you know, he just turned, uh, just turned 20, so, like, there's a lot, uh, just so much growth potential uh, for him if he can get it all together, and again, like, you know, he's got one of those long limb bodies, regardless of whether you're a pitcher or a hitter, like, for some guys, it's hard to control that, it's hard to, you know, coordinate it all and bring it all together, but, you know, if, if he does, like, just all, you know, again, the power, the strength, uh, and the speed are all really there. Over the course of you know putting this list together, um, Mitch Keller, it's safe to say he was the, the pretty clear number one in this system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think just because there's the combination of you, you didn't necessarily want to put Cruz number one yet because, again, you just don't know if it's going to pan out. I, I, I think the thing about Keller is he was just, He's just a, he's a sure bet of being a top three rotation guy. You know, I, no one doesn't believe that. There's a, there's track record. Uh, you know, and, and again, there is growth potential. Like I mean, it, we are talking about you know again, uh, 97 velocity and a big league curveball. I mean, you you can bet for certain that he is going to be a top three rotation guy. Where you're not, you know, you, like the, the the ceiling is you know the ceiling might be higher for O'Neill Cruz, uh, and and that obviously is why he belongs as a top five prospect, top three prospect. Uh, you know, in the system, just because what the potential is there is just you're 
you're just not sure whether it's going to come together yet. And, and again, the error numbers and the uh, strikeout numbers are so high that, that so much of that has to come down. And he has to come under control. Uh, and, and Hayes is, is, is also steady, but I think there's also some level of, of I don't want to say ceiling on him necessarily, but like you don't have the power tool necessarily. Uh, to put him as a you know top twenty, top thirty guy. You know, I, again, I think he's a short fire major leaguer as well, just because he is a very good defender. He, he you know, the hit tool is there. Uh, you know, there's there's even a little bit of speed. Um, but you know, I, I think you'd feel more comfortable put, you know putting him on top of Keller if you saw more out of the power tool. Yeah, with with that, you know, again, Keller being a fairly safe number one. You know, Hayes did come in number two over O'Neill Cruz uh, for the reasons you already talked about. Was that close, or was it still pretty safely Cabrian Hayes, just given double A, it's really, everything's really, really clean. And, and evaluators like him plenty as well. It's not like people are just like, mm. eh, he's just okay. He does get some very, very positive reviews. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of how I did it. I mean, it, it, you know, uh, it, it's one of those things where, like, you, you can imagine O'Neill Cruz making you look stupid in a couple of years. <laughs> you know? so it's uh, like, Either I mean, direction, it's by the way. I feel like we could, you know, in two oh, years be right. like, man, how is he ever that high? Also, right. man, how is he not number one? I feel like the range of outcomes is really, really big with him. Totally. Then that's exactly what it is. So, like, you put him high and, and, and maybe uh, to mitigate it a little bit, you put a couple of the short thing guys ahead of him uh, just, just to kind of couch it a little bit, just to kind of keep yourself safe a little. Because, again, the range of outcomes is so huge. And if O'Neill Cruz is your number one prospect and in, two years, you know, in three or four years he's out of baseball, uh, then you don't look that smart. So it's like, okay, like make, make a slightly safe move here, but you, you got to have him up there just in case. Uh, you know, he does blow up, basically. So you want to be able to point back and say, hey, we, we did see this coming. You know, we heard these guys, you know, again, town evaluators, like the one you heard saying that, hey, man, this guy is for real. You know, that, 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 that the raw potential is absolutely there that he could end up being, you know, an all-star. He could be a superstar if it all comes together. And, and, and if everything clicks, you know, it, it's there. I and mean, again, the ceiling is... His ceiling is probably the highest in the organization, and again, but his floor is much lower, you know, than than, than certainly a Keller or a Hayes. I mean, Keller and Hayes are going to be major league players. You know, that's that there that is not a reach at all. You can say that for certain. You don't know that it's going to go that way for Cruz. He might get up in the higher levels. He might see that the holes in the swing are never going to go away. You know, that 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 some of this is never just never going to work out, and and ultimately you're looking at you're just praying that he hits a bunch of home runs. You know, so. Uh, that that so that that I think is what kind of kept him at the number three is, is really feeling at this point like Hayes has put himself at that level that he's he's an everyday third baseman at least you know that that is his floor is that he's going to be uh, a starter at the major league level you know just again just because he's that good defensively and a good enough hitter that he, you know he's going to be a major league player. So those are the pretty clear top three. Um, getting to the next group is kind of interesting. You know Travis Swaggerty who was their uh, first round pick this year. Uh, Kevin Kramer, who ascended pretty quickly and got to the majors last year. Cole Tucker, who had a really good second half and looked like a stud in the fall league. Were any of these guys, I after this, you know, Kevin Newman, big leaguer, and Calvin Mitchell, who I got comps with, you know, guys like Michael Brantley and Garrett Anderson. I mean, these smooth mm -hmm. left-handed hitters who were multiple-time All-Stars. There is a good group here. Were any of these guys, you know, Swaggerty, Kramer, Tucker, etc., ever in the conversation for the top three, or is there a pretty clear drop-off of, you know, th this top three is the top tier, and then there's there's a clear shade below? I think Swaggerty you at least talked about, you know, it was, it was at least worth discussing uh, whether or not he belonged in there. Like, so not quite, uh, but, you know, I, I think Cruz, again, just had, had at least, you know, shown something at a little bit higher level and is a younger guy. 
you know, it's just like the, the, there's there's a little bit more uh, sort of raw potential raw upside uh, there than you're seeing in Swaggerty. But obviously, Swaggerty is, is new to professional baseball and he certainly started off well, uh, you know, in the New York Penn League, but didn't didn't perform as well when he got moved up. Um, and and you would maybe not think that's such a big deal again because it's his first you know professional summer, but you know, Cruz is younger than he is. And, you know, you didn't see as much production when, when Swaggerty moved up. So you kind of have to keep him a little bit lower. I mean, I, I think, you know, you, you mostly feel pretty good about that because there's certainly a lot of, a lot of athleticism that he's got as a center fielder, you know, really good arm. Uh, power is not off the charts. You know, hit tool is not off the charts. It's very, you know, both of those are very, very good. Um, but, I, you know, not, 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 certainly not top of the scale. Uh, at all. So, I mean, like, again, he's in that conversation. I think you still feel like you've got more upside from him than you have from the rest of the guys you mentioned. Um, although Mitchell has a, a lot. I, I think Mitchell went, is held back a little bit because he has such a long way to go defensively. You know, it's just not there right now. It's just not something that he's taken seriously. And, you know, the power is there. You know, again, like really smooth left-handed stroke has a chance to be a really, really good hitter, but but does have to has to make enough improvements there that you don't want to put him as a top five prospect yet at the defense so far back and the athleticism is not that great. You know, like as far as speed tool, it's like all of that is just okay at best if it's not below average. Um, but, you know, he, he might be, he might end up being the best hitter in the system, yeah. you know, out of the, the, the guys that are there right now. And, and power might really come along. I'm going to think he ended up with 10 or 11 this year and, and that has a chance to go further. I and mean, I think he was considered one of the top, you know, power bats. Uh, you know, in high school baseball um, a year ago when he was drafted. So, I mean, he has a chance, I think, uh, he, he has a chance to really move up and, and build, but a lot of things have to come together uh, for him. And, and those in-between guys, you know, I, I think they're all, you know, Newman, Kramer, Tucker, I think, you know, I think everybody thinks they're going to be major leaguers, but it's like, okay, what's the ceiling for them once they actually get there? Uh, you know, Kramer really had to adjust his swing and become uh, a big-time launch angle guy, you know, take a whole bunch more strikeouts, uh, to go for the home runs in AAA this year, um, and you know, still only ended up with like 12 or 13. So it's like, okay, how how much is that really going to translate? It's, you know, I mean, maybe he ends up with 10, you know, 10 tops a year as a second baseman for you. But do you see, it, you know, is Kevin Kramer a 25 home run guy? Probably not. You know, I mean, I I don't know if he gets there. I mean, he can hit the ball pretty hard, but does he get to be a 25, 30 home run guy? Is that you know, is that is that ceiling really there? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think, again, I think he's going to be a solid major league second baseman. I think you can get a little bit of power out of him. But it's like if you had to trade uh, as much average, as much hit tool as you did to get the power, you know, like where, where does that balance end up? You know, I mean, he, he ended up with a decent amount of, uh, you know, extra base hits last year, even, even an injury-riddled season in, in 2017. But it's like, okay, you know, so I, I don't think you could put, put him in that top five. Um Kevin Newman, you absolutely know what you're getting at this point, and, and what you know is that he's not—he's never going to be a power hitter at all. You know, you're not—it's not a question about how many even doubles you're going to get out of him. I mean, He's—he's going to—he's always got the potential to hit 300, but a lot of that is going to be singles. You know, I mean, he's like he, people have been trying to like push him in some generation to generate a little bit more power for a while, uh, but he's just a line drive hitter. You know, that's who he is. Now he can hit line drives for every, anybody anywhere, um, but that's kind of what it comes down to, and especially just the way defenses are playing at this point. Uh, it's harder to be a single hitter in, the, in Major League Baseball right now. Um, so, you know, where, what's going to be there? Basically, it's hard to tell. I think he's definitely better defensively uh, than he was a couple years ago. I think he's become much more fluid. I think he was a really sort of rigid, had kind of a, a rigidly operating body, I would say. Uh, you know, he, he made the short play or whatever, but you didn't necessarily see the range, you know, and the fluidity. I think that's come a, a long way. So I think you feel a lot better about him defensively and being able to, you know, 
he's good enough to be a major league shortstop at this point, um, and he has a chance to be a decent hitter, but he's never going to show a whole lot of power. Uh, you know, Tucker, I think, certainly has the speed. You know, did get a lot better. I think you, they had a lot of reasons to be nervous for the way he was playing, um, you know, in, in April, May, and June especially. Uh, wasn't hitting the ball very well at all and just looked like a mess at the plate, but he certainly kind of got that back together when he's sort of stable in the box. He can hit, you know, speed, ability to steal bases is really there, not just the flat raw speed, but also just the intelligence of the base pass and is, is definitely the most, you know, Fluid defensive shortstop, you know, is, is basically more fluid than than, than Newman and Kramer, you know, certainly. Uh, but again, just the fact that he, he's never been a great hitter, you know, he's got okay power, uh, you know, that that certainly keeps him out of that Cruz, uh, you know, Hayes discussion. I think. No, it all you know all makes perfect sense. Uh, you mentioned Kramer and Newman, you know, obviously the Seinfeld jokes come up, but I think there is a sense sure. that they're they're probably you know more contributors than than stars. Uh, Kramer has a chance to obviously be that star in second baseman. At the, t- at the back end of your list, uh, two outfielders in Brian Reynolds and Jason Martin who are very good. They've both proven it at higher levels. They can both, you know, they both have some, some speed, some athleticism, they can hit. Um, most are kind of seen as, you know, maybe they'll be fourth outfielders, maybe they could start, but, but no one's overly confident in either uh, being, you know, an everyday starter by any stretch. Were they pretty clearly the numbers nine and ten prospects in the system? It feels like the top eight were pretty safe. Uh, nine and ten, you could have gone a couple different ways. Like, was it pretty secure that Reynolds and Martin are nine and ten, or were there other guys in the conversation? And if so, how many? Yeah, I mean, I, somewhat just because they produced at that level, and you know, the, the other guys that you would talk about, you know, I mean, like a Luis Escobar. Uh, who didn't have, you know, wasn't as good this year as he was a year ago. And then after that, you start getting into, uh, you know, really young guys, either second-year guys that were, you know, you know, comp picks, second-round picks, you know, stuff like that, who hadn't necessarily, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Stephen Jennings, who, who hasn't had a lot of innings yet, you know, Braxton Ashcroft, who barely got the pitch, you know, was sort of a late sign. Um, you know, you start getting into some of those guys. You know, again, Escobar, I think, was one of those ones that was right there, but I mean, he... His numbers went up, you know, ERA figures went up a little bit this year. You still, uh, there's a lot that they like about him. Just there's a lot of sort of heavy action on his pitches, curveball, you know, you know, fastball's got a lot of sink to it. Um, and, and he had been really good a year ago. Didn't necessarily, um, wasn't as good once he, you know, I think he, was it high A this year? Uh, he wasn't necessarily as dominant this year as he had been a year ago. So he kind of uh, fell a little bit, but I, I think, Again, you do feel pretty confident that Reynolds and Martin are, are uh, you know, eventual fourth outfielder types, at least. And they, they both produced uh, at the double-A level. They both show that they can hit where I, I don't think anybody else. Again, like you don't want to be – you do have to give a lot of uh, credence to upside, you know, when it comes to doing these things. But, um, you know, you, you do want to start giving some uh, uh, points for production, basically, and, and sort of proof that, you know, guys are able to hit at this level or some other guys you haven't necessarily seen it. Uh, you know, a, a Will Craig, basically, I think, is a guy that that everyone is just sort of not totally sure about. You start you start to sort of to see the power this year. Um, obviously, not a great athlete at all, uh, and you know, another guy that had to give up a lot of, of the hit tool to get the power to show up. Um, so you you know, like um, Reynolds and Martin were just a little bit more consistent uh, than, than I, I think that he was. They certainly have been so far. Um, so you know, there, there were other guys that were worth talking about. Um, you know, especially some of those younger pitchers that really haven't had a whole lot of time to play yet. Uh, but those guys obviously got a little bit of benefit of the doubt for having produced. 
No, deservedly so. Uh, Reynolds, uh, by the way, was one of the players acquired for Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, Martin was one of the players acquired for Garrett Cole. And certainly nice when you trade two franchise players. You know, you mentioned that, you know, maybe the packages at the time were not overwhelming, but you mentioned Joe Musgrove and, and Colin Moran, at least in the major leagues, and they, they both, you know, sometimes uneven, but both of them showed you some things you could live with. You have Reynolds and Martin producing in the upper levels of the system, you know, guys you can feel pretty solidly about helping your major league team. And just me speaking here editorially, I actually think Brian Reynolds uh, deserves more credit than he gets sometimes. I saw him a good bit at San Jose in the Giants system, and it's a switch hitter who makes a lot of contact. He's hit 300 everywhere he's been. He gets on base. He can play all the outfield spots. I, I think he's someone that, that might be better than he's giving credit for. So there are some guys there. Um, but it does feel like just you know looking at this system, again, the top eight are pretty securely top eight guys. Reynolds and Martin, your 9 10, are, are probable big leaguers and, and have a chance to be you know, really solid contributors at that level. So the top 10, again, it's a good system. Um, we'll see in the org talent rankings come out. The Pirates do fare okay. But it does feel like the depth drops off pretty quickly. You mentioned you know, guys like Jennings and Ashcraft who are, you know, again, just so young and so far away. Uh, Will Craig, it's, it's been very rocky. Um, you know, they made some mm. trades and got some guys this year. Tanaj Thomas, who came over in the trade from the Indians. Uh, they signed Ji Huan Bay, the uh, Asian uh, shortstop who was originally a Braves prospect, and that deal got nullified. So there, there are some guys here, but it just feels like, you know, outside that top ten especially, you really start getting into, I don't know, org players or guys that are just so far away. It's, it's hard to really envision them helping any time in the next, you know, forget – two, three years, it might even be four or five. Yeah, no, totally, especially, again, with, with, with those young arms. You know, again, with, uh, uh, you know, Jennings is, is certainly one of those. Ashcraft is certainly one of those. And they've got some other guys like that towards the bottom of the system, you know, that, that, you know in, in the lower leagues that maybe for injury reasons haven't been able to advance uh, as fast as they were. Great Noble is one of those. Gage Hins is one of those. Uh, you know, Hins was out all year after he had a, a heart surgery. Uh, open heart surgery. You know he was he, he was pretty dominant in the Puerto Rican Winter League, uh, and he's got some tools that you like. But you know he hasn't really uh, you know produced yet or anything like that. And certainly he's you know with everything he's gone through and had to sit back because of uh, it's going to take him a while. Like I said, I, mean, I think Escobar is okay. I mean he, he, they've seen some good moments from Dario Argazol at at, uh, uh, at the Double A level. Um, but yeah, I mean and, and then after that you're looking at like you said organizational players. Like there's there is a lot of this starter types at, at Indianapolis right now, uh, you know JT Brubaker, uh, you know Nick Kingham, who obviously is not a prospect anymore, but uh, was was going back and forth this year. Tyler Epler, uh, Brandon Waddell uh, is another one of those names of guys that you look at and they can be back of the rotation guys. They've got a bunch of those at the Indianapolis level. You, you didn't see anybody really step up. You know they they did well as a team at Double A level this year, but you don't necessarily look at any of the guys on that staff and say, man, that, that guy's got to move up. Hearn was one of those guys, obviously, they traded him. Uh, and, you know, they, you know, again, you're, you know, all of their pitching talent is either, you know, at AAA where it's guys that you think are, again, that you don't have a huge high opinion of other than Keller. And then, you know, at, at, in Bristol and in the Gulf Coast and, and maybe, uh, you know, not even really in West Virginia. Um, you know, there's, there's just not – uh, there, there's not a, with Baz gone, you know. There's not a lot of arms that you're like, you know, towards the bottom, like that you feel like you both know are going to be there. You know, there's, there's a guy with a lot of growth potential, um, 
but you know, there's not really an in between that you're like, man, two years away, this guy's really going to be there. You know, other than Keller, and that's about it. Um, and all the guys that are close, you don't necessarily have a high ceiling on. So yeah, that's kind of where they stand. I mean, there's there's a lot of position players again, like you said, that are that that you know look okay, like a Stephen Alamez. You know, looks like a really good defensive shortstop, but you know, offensively, there's just not a ton there. Uh, you know, Mason Martin is a guy that, that jumped on the scene pretty fast last year at, at the Gulf Coast League that, that has a lot of raw power, uh, but you don't know what he has defensively. The strikeouts are huge. Uh, you know, it, not not that that's a, a, a complete uh, deal breaker. Obviously, you know the way the game is going, but it's really bad. Um, so it, it, there are some guys again in the middle there that have some potential. Um, but you know, but again, there's also some that, that don't have really high ceilings that might might have one or two tools that are majorly ready but aren't you know, really that high up there. And you know, Craig again being another one of those guys, you know, who has being pretty rocky, it, it doesn't. There's not a lot of those guys between 10 and 30 that you're really betting high on. You know, there might be some guys that make a leap in a year or two, but not necessarily somebody that if you're you know Pirates fan and you're thinking, okay, when when do they make a leap as an organization? You know, you don't necessarily see a lot of hope in that stretch of, of players and prospects. Probably not what Pirates fans want to hear. You don't see a lot of hope in that stretch. Unfortunately, that's something that they've been uh, very familiar with as a franchise the last 25 years. You know, I think one thing, again, just going wrapping up with the big picture is, you know, Jamison Tyone is 26, Trevor Williams is 26, Joe Musgrove is 25, Chad Cool's 25. Uh, and on the position player side, you know, Adam Frazier is 26, Gregory Polanco, I feel like he's been around forever, but he's still only 26. Josh Bell's 25, Colin Moran's 25. So there is a group of guys, particularly on the pitching staff, in their mid-20s that aren't going anywhere for a while that you can build around and maybe give some time for these guys to, to jump up. Uh, you know, on that note of guys jumping up, is there someone that over the course of your discussions, you, know, you got the sense, man, you know, this, this is someone that, I don't know if necessarily a sleeper, but, but someone that has a chance to really make a leap in a year or two? Man, that's a good question because I'm trying to think of guys that that fit that mold. I and, and I don't, I don't know because it seems like again because you've got a like, you know, I think Cruz is the guy who's who who kind of fits that mold in terms of discussions like the the words you hear about him and then we already you know we already had to move him up that high, uh, you know. So I think the fact that like there might be some like a uh, you know a Connor Uselton maybe has a lot of potential, but like. He has just had such a bad start, you know, not 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 because he did so poorly, but I, mean, I think he blew out his hamstring like the third game he was in. Um, you know, a, a guy we haven't talked about that's interesting. I mean, I, and I guess now that I think about it, he was a little bit part of the top ten discussion is Lolo Sanchez. Uh, you know, he's a guy doesn't now you don't think he necessarily has the power uh, to be there basically, but he's got a lot of speed. You know, you saw him steal uh, steal home in a uh, in a in a major league big training game. You know, he's got a shot. I think. Um, to, to be somebody who's going to be pretty good because he's got some speed, he's got a little bit of arm strength, he's, he's, you know, hit tool is pretty much there even though the power not, isn't necessarily. Um, guy, uh, uh, Jonah Davis is another guy that, that I thought jumped on the scene and did pretty well at, at the rookie league, and maybe if he gets a full season, uh, you can see him make, make a little bit of a leap as well. He showed some power uh, and, and some potential out there. Um, so maybe he's a guy I think that you could talk to and you might hear about that might be able to to make a leap in the not too distant future. I think Travis McGregor is a guy that's been kind of waiting on. Uh, was I think it, I want to say it was a second round pick or maybe it was a comp pick. Um, you know, big long right hander uh, that uh, didn't have a great year last year, and, and I think he ended up getting TJ this year. Uh, but he was starting to show um, you know some real potential as well. You start to see him sort of get to be the player that they thought they drafted. Uh, so if he gets that, you know, 
obviously you got Tommy John surgery, so you're looking at another year or so until he's even getting back into it. But he might be a guy uh, that uh, you know if, he, if if he comes through that surgery pretty well, might be a guy you have to look at in a year or so. Uh, Cody Bolton is another name I think that was that was mentioned. That's got some you know that, that's got some good velocity. Uh, you know, again, it has some pretty. Um, has some nice pitches otherwise, you know, a decent looking slider and change up that he's getting some swing and miss on. He might be a guy that has a chance to move up. But all, all again, it's a, there's a lot of names that uh, there's a lot of maybe uh, in there, you know, with some of those guys. Absolutely. Well, Pirates fans will certainly hope those maybes turn into yeses sooner rather than later and uh, see if the organization can, can build off of, you know, an 82 win season last year where, again, they were competitive, they, they were in it, just came up a little short. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Dustin, thank you so much for putting together the Pirates 30 for us again, joining us on the podcast. We appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. For Dustin DePyrick, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.